Welcome to Conversations, a podcast featuring conversations about life, theology, scripture, church, and everything in between. Hosted by Genesis Church in Mexico, Missouri. Find out more at www.genesisbegins.com. Well, this is uh, another podcast uh, with Conversations with Genesis Church, and I'm Jeff Stott. I'm one of the pastors at Genesis Church, and I'm with Billy Johnson, and he is one of the elders there. And uh, we are in the middle of talking about cognitive dissonance and what it is and how it applies to Christians. And, um, you know, we've already done uh, a couple of podcasts and we'll review that in a moment, but, um, uh, and I think you'll find this interesting is before we get all into this stuff, uh, I, I do want, I got a couple of announcements for you. First of all, um, okay. So this past, uh, couple of weeks ago was national day of prayer. And currently Genesis church is in the middle of a 40 days of prayer thing that we're doing. Um, and on truthappliedjs.com, uh, there's a couple of articles called how to pray for others. And it's based on Ephesians chapter one, verses 17 and 18. And, uh, in it, I introduce, um, or, I, I talk about asking God to show others their incredible potential, their amazing future, their tremendous value and remarkable power in Christ. And so, and it's all broken down in some practical language. So if that interests you, I would encourage you to um, check that out at truthappliedjs.com. It's probably, if you just go to the homepage, I think it's one of the first two articles on the homepage. You don't even have to look it up because uh, these are pretty uh, recent uh, articles there for you. All right. So uh, I, like I said, I am with Billy Johnson. So Billy, say hi to everybody. Good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, Jeff, super happy to be here. Um you know, th this topic is is one that uh, that has been interesting and, and enlightening to me. So I'm super happy to continue uh, to continue on with the conversation. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I think this will be um, helpful for folks. And oh, and hey, and if for the listener, if you have not listened to part one and part two, um, you need to go back and listen to it because I'm going to try to catch you up, but. Um, you know, some of this, most of this should make sense, I think, today. But for some, for some people, here's the deal. For some people, some people are having a hard time wrapping their brain around, it, you know, this cognitive sure. dissonance thing, you know, uh, which, um, you know, I've thought so much about it that I think my brain is too wrapped around it. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it, it can be complicated. And I'm, not, I'm trying not to make it complicated, but it can be. <clears throat> and... Okay, so let's review a little bit here, and um, and then we'll, we're going to dive into some some new stuff today. Um, all right, so like I said, we are in a series of discussions on cognitive dissonance. This is part three. In part one, we introduced the concept of cognitive dissonance, and cognitive dissonance is the gap between uh, what you believe and how you behave or what you experience. And so there are three parts to cognitive dissonance there is belief there is a contradiction to that belief and then there is a an emotional discomfort that comes from it and cognitive dissonance has uh, four primary expressions and that's these are the four that we're talking about so the first expression is this belief plus contradictory behavior 
equals emotional discomfort. We looked at that at part two. And classic example of that is you believe in honesty. You believe you're an honest person, but then you tell your kids a lie, your boss lies, your spouse lies, and then you feel guilty because of it. So there's that gap between what you believe and what you do, your behavior creating some kind of guilt or shame or embarrassment or something. And we talked about all of that in part two and how to deal with that and all that stuff. Um, then there's the belief plus contradictory new information that produces some type of emotional discomfort. And we're looking at that today. And we're going to give you plenty of examples of that here in just a few moments. The third expression of this is belief plus contradictory experience equaling emotional discomfort. And again, the classic example of that is you have a belief that God heals. Uh, you pray for God to heal. You expect God to heal because the Bible teaches that God is a healer. And you're praying for your son who has a terminal illness, but the son dies anyway, three months later. And so what you're experienced and plus, uh, in regards to what you believe, they don't match up. And now you're confused about God or the God's healing power about prayer. You're frustrated. You might be angry at God. Well, that's, Cognitive distance. What do you do about that as a believer? And again, we're going to look at that uh, in the next podcast. Um, and then the fourth expression is belief plus contradictory belief uh, equals emotional discomfort. And this means you've got two beliefs that either contradict or appear to contradict um, each other. And actually, some of the stuff we're talking about today possibly could fall into this category a little bit. But um, but there, there is a, a, a difference there. All right, so that's the review. Uh, but now, I, I want to add something here before we actually get into what we're talking about. I was talking to a guy the other day, or I should say a guy came up to me after church, and uh, he was talking about this cognitive dissonance thing. And he told me, and he's an older gentleman, and he said the first time he was introduced to cognitive dissonance was when he was in college. All right, so we're talking a few decades ago. And by the way, if, if I cough and sniff and all that kind of stuff, because I got chronic allergies and for whatever reason, they're really bad right now. So, um, and so you're just going to have to deal with it. That's just how it's going <laughs> to, that's just where I'm at. Okay. Cause I could mute all the time, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, so, uh, this guy comes up to me and said, Hey Jeff, he said, uh, he says, you know, he says, I've never heard of cognitive distance the way you're talking about it. And he said, I, I was introduced to cognitive distance when I was in college. And I said, really? He said, yeah. And he said it was in the marketing and advertising class. Marketing and advertising class. And so uh, I said, well, what are you talking about? And so he began to explain something like this. He said, uh, cognitive distance is used in marketing uh, because what will happen is – they want the company or the, 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 the business wants to produce a belief in a person uh, and they want them to believe that they need their product. And so, uh, the contradictory behavior or a belief, or whatever that's going to oppose that is, well, if they can convince you that you, your belief is I need it. And if you don't have it, well, that's a change of behavior. But if you believe you need it, but you don't have it, it equals emotional discomfort called discontentment and happiness. And so uh, marketing uh, and advertisers, they find a way to manipulate your own cognitive dissonance in order to, for you to buy their product. They convince you that you're unhappy without it, that you actually need it. 
And, um, and I thought, Oh, that's tricky. Oh yeah. yeah. That's, that's very tricky. But then I got to thinking, you know, I wonder if the devil does that. I you imagine know? he's a, he's quite a salesman. Yes. Yeah. At, at twisting our, or using our cognitive dissonance to where we, you know, he convinces us, you know, that we believe we have to have something or we believe something about God. And then we have this contradictory experience and causes emotional discomfort. And the next thing you know, we're just, we're doubting God. We're not believing God because our experiences don't match up with what we believe, but yet the devil got us to believe something about God. That's not true. You know, that's something you know? about the devil. That's very interesting. It seems like every tool or every resource that God puts in front of us to help us grow, learn, uh, and, and, and utilize the devil sneaks in and, uh, does a real good job of manipulating that and trying to turn that against us. It is quite, uh, interest. I mean, it, it just, it, it blows my mind that every single thing, even God's own word, you know, the devil will try to misalign or, or manipulate that to use it against us, man. We're just in a constant state of spiritual warfare against the devil. And it's incredible to me, you know, because we talked about before, you know, that God uses cognitive dissonance to help us grow and, and to see the error in the way we're thinking or acting. Um, and, and that's a positive thing, you know, when God is utilizing that to help us, I mean, that that's a good thing that helps us in the long run. And it's amazing to me when the devil just kind of sneaks in and, uh, and, and takes it and tweaks it just a little bit, uh, in order to get done what he wants done. You know, it's like, it's frustrating. I mean, it's a constant state of spiritual warfare. It is, uh, especially when you realize you, you believe something and then you realize that's not true. Sure. That's difficult. That's very, yeah, very difficult to deal yeah, with. The devil got you to believe something about yourself or about somebody sure. else or about God or about Jesus, about whatever eternal things. God's word or something. And, and then somewhere along the way you realize I'm wrong. Well, and I hate to give the devil any credit at all, but he's really good at it. Yeah. He's right. He's very good at being wicked. Yes. <laughs> and, very, and very, wicked. very good. Yeah. And wicked. What I, okay. I, I don't know if the listeners know it's not, but the word wicked, it just means to take something and twist it. I mean, like wicker furniture is twisted. Sure. sure. Okay. So he'll take something that's straight and he'll just twist it and distort it and uh and so he'll take you know our beliefs and twist them you know and and make them wicked and what's uh, so what's so incredible is, is it at times so it's not even that he twists it into something we don't recognize it could take just a small adjustment yeah. to the word or the tiniest little movement with it can change the context or or the purpose of it and it's so so i think he's i think the devil is good at at uh twisting it just enough where it still looks like what we believe it is but it's something totally different well you know it's that whole uh thing about like navigation if you're like if you're just one percent off jeff that's exactly the example i was thinking of in my head exactly yeah. the same yeah so because if you're just one if he can just get you one percent off that over time yes sir you know, you're going to be way off and not even know it. Yep. Yep. And yeah. feel completely like you were headed in the right direction and your course yeah. was true the whole way, but just 1%. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it just keeps pulling you further and further and further so slowly that you don't even recognize it. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Man. Man, he's, he's, he's just bad all around. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Uh, all right, so today, all right, we're going to be talking about um, uh, cognitive, cognitive dissonance between what we believe as Christians and when we encounter contradicting new information or what appears to be contradicting new information. Now, um, we're going to give some examples of this and spend most of the time talking about how we shouldn't and should respond to this belief gap. But I do want to say something here. Um, I'm, we're not, okay. We're going to get into some subjects that I know that some believers, man, they get hot about, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's heated debates and they, uh, get all in a wad about it. Um, and they have strong convictions about certain things. Okay. The, the, I'm going to give some examples and Billy's going to give some examples and our, our intent is not to settle the dispute between this belief in contradicting information, as you will see. We're just giving examples, okay? So I'm going to throw some things out there, and it's going to sound like I might believe one way or the other, when in reality, you have no idea. <laughs> I'm just giving you examples of things I've seen in others and, and I've seen in my own life. Now, occasionally, I'm going to say, yeah, this was me, you know, and that'll be very clear. But um, uh, but I just want you to understand, we're not trying to solve the debate over what we're about to talk about where I just want to, I just want you to understand that within these debates over these contradicting information and what you believe, um, there's this belief gap, this co cognitive dissonance that as believers, we have to address in order to grow spiritually. Cause if you don't, if you just ignore it, um, you're not going to grow just, it's just bottom line. And we talked about that at, at the previous, uh, podcast. So, um, so here's how this works. <clears throat> this is when your belief or value is contradicted by new information resulting in emotional discomfort. There is dissonance between what you believe and the new information you have been given. Now, this can happen in a Bible study. This can happen in just you're reading a book. This can happen on a Sunday morning when the preacher says something and, uh, and it contradicts what you believe. Um, so remember, we are talking about this in the Christian context. Okay. Uh, if you love God's word and you study it and you attend church faithfully and you're in a Bible preaching church, uh, you're going to encounter and be challenged with new information in the scriptures. That's just the way it's going to happen. <clears throat> Cause right now I can guarantee you everybody who's listening to this, including myself, um, there are some beliefs that we hold dearly that God has, for whatever reason, has not decided to reveal to us that we're wrong yet, sure. you know, right. <clears throat> but he will. And so as you study the word, especially if you're, if you're one of those people who go verse by verse, book by book kind of thing. Uh, yeah. You're going to encounter some things that are just going to be unsettling and uh, about your view of God or Jesus, the Holy spirit, yourself, sin, hell, heaven, you know, the devil, whatever. Um, and, and relationships and all that stuff. Sorry. Let's, let's dive into some examples. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> Let me give you one from, from my world. And uh, then, uh, uh, Billy, after I do this one, I'm going to, you know, let you share one from 
that's on your mind, whether it's from okay. your life or just one you're aware of. Um, all right. After I became a follower of Jesus, I, I, I attended a uh, sweet little country church. And uh, my memory of that church is this. They, the pastor, he loved Jesus. He was a great guy. He was a retired military guy. He was, uh, he was in his 70s. Okay. And uh, been around the block a few times, but it, it, it seemed like, at least in my memory, he had, it didn't matter. He would preach through a book in the Bible. That's how he did it. But it seemed like no matter what text he was reading from or preaching from, it was either somehow ended up about prayer or evangelism. Okay. <laughs> so it was almost like he read the text and then either started talking about prayer or evangelism. Okay. <laughs> and it, and I'm, that's probably not true, but that's how I remember. And, um, uh, and, but I will say this, the pastor taught the free will of each person to accept or reject Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. Now, as a result, I believed in the free will of man. However, when the pastor was preaching through Ephesians one, he read the chapter or at least the section that he was going to be trying to preach from, but he skipped the following words or phrases. What, what I mean by skipping, he, he read them, but he did not comment on them. So he skipped phrases like, uh, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And he didn't address at all the statement where God says he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. And so, and I noticed that he would do this occasionally. And so somewhere along the way, uh, this intrigued me. So I started studying the Bible and came across words like elect, chosen, predestined, foreknowledge, God's sovereignty, and all that kind of stuff. And this resulted in tension between my belief, complete free will of man, and this new information that falls into the category of uh, predestination. And so I had a belief, but now I had some new information and I was struggling with balancing between the two. I had this confusion. So I was entering this world of, okay, which one's right? Is there a middle ground? Is both sides somewhat right? And what does the Bible really teach? You follow what I'm saying? Sure. So uh, then when I went to college, got around some uh, other believers and, you know, there were some who were, man, strong free willers. And then there were some who were strong uh, what, what, you know, in college, what you call Calvinist five point Calvinist, and they were strong pre, uh, into predestination. And, um, and so back in the day, I, when I was studying all this stuff and, and I, I had to think through it all, I came out on the five point Calvinist as a 3.5 Calvinist. I mean, that's just kind of where it was. <laughs> um, actually, I'm not sure where I'm at now because I'd have to sit down and just kind of think through each point again and because I've grown since then, but, um, but that was, there was some cognitive distance there because, uh, be honest with you, it was coming from a free will background. It was disturbing to me that is it possible? I had n really no choice in the matter. Sure. Even though it felt like I did, you know what I'm saying? Well, so without, uh, <clears throat> without getting into the, the weeds on, what conclusion you came to mm -hmm. what you know because i imagine that there are a lot of listeners and a lot of christians out there now that, <coughs> that i mean obviously you know they run into this sort of thing what kind of process if if i were to say to you jeff i've got this cognitive dissonance about this what kind of process did you either go through or do you think that i should use as a believer to help remedy this okay um well here's 
when I okay, so when I look at addressing this type of cognitive dissonance, okay, belief versus new information, especially new information from the scripture. Okay, that's sure. important. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So I already had a high view of the Bible, so I was already committed. So you you know to deal with this pro, uh, uh, correctly, you're going to have to have a high view of the scripture, and you're going to have to be willing to study the Bible, look at it, and then accept what you find. Okay. Because there are some things in the Bible that uh, they are, it's hard to swallow. Yeah, it's difficult. If you take it at what it says, if you, I mean, I mean, after you study, I don't mean just read it in some translation and say, well, it's, no, let's do, let's dig, study to show yourself approved, all this kind of stuff, dig into it, meditate about it, do some research, talk to others, you know what I'm saying, who've already studied this subject, read from other great minds on it, you know what I mean? Really dive into it. You know, that's, that, that's, that was my process, you know? And so, um, but I had to embrace the fact that at some point, uh, I had to embrace the fact that words like elect, chosen, predestined, and foreknowledge all existed in the Bible. Sure. Okay. So once I acknowledge that, now I've got to deal with that theology. How does that affect what I believe about salvation? You know, and, um, and then, uh, but also had to uh, wrestle with the fact that the Bible also has scriptures in it that really seem to imply that there is some type of choice. Sure, you know, um, you know, John three sixteen. You know, whoever's you know, if if you believe, you know, and so uh, and, but at the same time, I you know, the, I realized the Bible says, you know, um, you know, God loves us first and. We didn't choose him. He chose us. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And then there's, you know, Paul throws this crazy statement out. Nobody seeks God. Okay. It's like, uh, how does that work? You know? So anyway, so for me personally, I had to wrestle through this thing. And, um, but again, that's, that's as a Christian, as you're studying the word, seriously studying the word, uh, you're going to have to deal with, what's in front of you, you know, uh, even if you don't like it. Well, and I would also add, uh, I think probably one of the most difficult things for Christians to do is to lay in that space and wait on God. You know, so let's say I, I get some contradicting information. I am one of those guys that I want to dig on a topic. I want to study it until I feel satisfied that I've come to whatever conclusion. And I really, I really want to dig into it. I want to try to try to dissect it and and do all those things and be real particular. And unfortunately for me, I I want to do it right now. I, I want, I want the answer to that question right now. And I think, I think one of the things that a lot of Christians do is we forget the part that includes waiting on God to reveal to us what it is that he wants us to see and to know one of the, one of the biggest things that I have learned over the past several years is, is that I need to be patient. God will show me what I can handle when I can handle it. So I think sometimes when we get into the situation where we get that contradicting information, you know, that shows up because it's uncomfortable to us, we have this immediate desire to remedy that right now because we don't like to be uncomfortable. And I think part of growth and part of the part of what we need to realize is happening is, is 
yes, God is going to reveal that information to us, but he also might teach us something about patience. He also might teach us something about his sovereignty. And, and look, it's not on our timeline, it's on his. So I would say, you know, a, a piece of advice that I would give uh, to a lot of the listeners and, and folks that are struggling with this is, is yes, study, be intentional about your study, go and seek that information. But at the same time, acknowledge and understand that that clarity is only going to come when God decides. So, it, you know, just kind of lay in the cut, lay in that, lean into it and allow God to work because he might not just be working on that single topic that you're thinking about. There may be 10 other things that he's, he's working on. And, and we need to understand as Christians that we need to pump the brakes a little bit and let God kind of take the wheel, you know, and, and just, just wait on God also. Well, and here's the thing. <clears throat> Every one of the subjects that we're going to bring up and, and, and the ones we don't bring up, sure. uh, they, uh, they're all, uh, have multiple layers to it. And what I mean by that is, uh, when you believe something, you believe it for whatever reason, right or wrong. Right. Okay? It's just some belief you have. I mean, I'm talking some theological belief and, um, and you believe, a, B, and C, and, uh, and you've always believed that your dad believed it, your mama believed it, the pastor believed it, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And you've never really dug into it, but what'll happen is, is that for like this case, free will versus predestination, um, there are some things that you can't understand of, about these things until you understand like the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation, doctrine of God's grace, stuff like that. Sure. And, and so, uh, because, um, free will versus predestination will make no sense if, if you don't understand, you know, the sovereignty of God, the grace of God, salvation, sin, and how it has, you know, caused damage and all of that. So what I'm saying is, is that there are some things spiritually speaking and theologically speaking that you, you're going to have to learn that what the number one, like in math, you got to learn what the number one, two, three, four, five is. Yeah. And then after you learn that you learn, Oh, two plus two equals four. Yep. And then after that you learn, Oh, five times five equals 25. You know what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. right. Isn't it? Five times five, five, yes, times five right. equals 25. If yeah. it wasn't so, right, I'd already be making fun. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, neither one of us called it Chris Creech would, and he would, no yeah, doubt he would, he, he would somehow it post it on Facebook or something. Right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the, uh, so anyway, uh, and the, you can't learn multiplication until you learn these other things. And there are some things theologically that we need to know. Okay. That God's got to teach us the, you know, the number system, the plus and the uh, subtraction. And then we get into the, you know, multiplication or division, you know, it, the, the, we have to learn some things before we can learn the bigger things. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Generally I don't want to say bigger things, but the, but the more complicated things, I should say. Generally speaking, we, we need to crawl before we walk. Yeah, there you go. You know, so just kind of learning those basic things. And, and, and I, I will say, you know, uh, one of the biggest things is, is yeah, just have be in pursuit of that information and God mm -hmm. will reveal it, but also uh, don't be, you know, so, when we encounter things that contradict our beliefs, right? It is okay to push back because if you didn't truly believe in something, if you were able to change your mind tomorrow, you know, about something 
theologically important? Well, it wasn't much of a belief to begin with. So first we need to start with the understanding that the reason this is difficult is because we do truly believe in what, what it is that's being, you know, that we believe in our, well, I, I, we believe in our beliefs, you know, uh, (laughs) so thoroughly that, that when those things are challenged, it is okay to be a little hesitant it's okay to go, ah, I'm going to have to think about that. But then, so, you know, so I, I, that's okay. But then just have enough faith and trust in God uh, that he will reveal what the truth is, but also be patient enough to know that it might, it, it's going to be in his time and not yours. Well, you know, and uh, while we're on this little belief rabbit, <clears throat> here is the thing that I've come in contact quite a bit. I will be talking to a Christian and, and we'll get into some subject, you know, and they'll say, I believe, you know, you know, this and that. And I'll go, well, why do you believe that? And then they'll go into, well, when I was seven years old, uh, this happened. And when I was 27, this happened, or when, you know, this has happened four or five times, you know? And so I'll say, so what you're doing, so what you're saying is you're basing your theology, your belief on your experiences. Right. And, and they will, well, yeah. And I said, well, what if the word of God contradicted that? Right. You know, because, because a lot of times they'll start, they'll, they'll, they'll have a theological belief about God or heaven or hell or anything. And they're basing it off of their experiences and where, so what they've done is they've allowed their experiences to be the ultimate truth for their theology rather than God's truth called his word. Well, and let's and let's let's just say it another way. Uh, they base their beliefs sometimes off of off of Christian culture versus yeah. what the Bible says. Right. Well, again, their culture is a, is a collection of experiences. Exactly. You know exactly. Yep. So, um, uh, and what 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 we want to do as believers is we want to be able to say this. Well, I believe this because the Bible says in Ephesians or in John or Jesus said, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Go to the word first, and then you can interpret your experiences based off of what God's word says, not the other way around, because what will happen is sometimes we develop our belief system based off our experiences. And then we let our experiences uh, interpret the Bible for us. Absolutely, Jeff. And yeah, we just flip it all the way around. And God says, no, 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 don't do that. And so. that creates so much <clears throat> cognitive dissonance. Yes, it does. absolutely. What a, what a great way to put that. I, I absolutely, uh, yeah, that, that was a, that's a great way to say that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. So Billy, you got, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a list of which I'm going to popcorn out here in a minute. Uh, but do you have a cognitive dissonance thing that you want to? Well, I mean, out? so there, you know, obviously there's, there were, you know, a couple, uh, you know, I recently was, was in a conversation with someone who was, Oh, I, I'm not going to say much. Well, I mean, let's just be honest. They were your age, Jeff. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, then they're so, only crepit they were, and they're near death. No, they're, they're right in that, that very mature, very knowledgeable oh, oh, stage gotcha, in gotcha. life. Okay. Uh, but you know, I, I was having a conversation with this individual and, uh, and they, you know, I, I recalled, uh, during that conversation, them mentioning, uh, the need for baptism, um, in order to go to heaven. And so, you know, I, I, I pointed out, uh, to them that, that I, uh, that I believe the Bible said 
that, you know, baptism was just a, um, a sign of obedience. Uh, it, it's very important. I don't want to diminish the importance of that, but, you know, I basically kind of explained that I didn't think that it was a salvation issue. And, and we kind of got into why I based my beliefs off of that. You know, we, we kind of started talking about the Bible and some scripture. And I recalled seeing the look on this individual's face and they, you know, they were older than me and spent their whole life uh, believing that that was a requirement. And in fact, this person hadn't been baptized. And that was something that, that, uh, that was, that was bothersome to them, you know, their belief versus their, you know, what, the, what they have done in their life or whatever. And I, ju I just recall the look on their face when there was this new information presented. Now that individual has the capacity to go and wrestle with that or whatever, but you know, that was, it was a very clear sign in that moment of this cognitive dissonance that we're talking about. Um, you know, also one that, that I recall, you know, as a child, uh, believing my entire life that, you know, if you commit suicide, that you're just going to hell, oh, you know, yeah. that it's just, there's just no, uh, there's no way around it. That was just, and, and I don't even know where I got that belief. You know, somebody probably told that to me when I was young and, and it seemed reasonable and, and I'd believed that my whole life. So, you know, when that, uh, as I've been studying more and having more conversations, I, I don't find anything that supports that, uh, in the Bible. Um, and so that, that was kind of a difficult thing for, for me to wrestle with that, that particular belief system. So those are a couple that just pop, I mean, there's a million of them out there, but those two, I think, uh, I, I would imagine there are a lot of Christians that probably, uh, wrestle with those two specifically. Yeah. And I think, okay, the first one you mentioned, uh, the baptism one mm -hmm. uh, that falls in that category of salvation by grace versus salvation by works. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, um, and we, most people have a tendency because of our own sinful nature in our flesh. We start off with salvation by works. We feel like we've got to earn it somehow. Sure. So, all right, no, I've got to believe, but also have to be baptized, mm -hmm. you know, to go to heaven, or I got to believe and I got to be a good person to go to heaven. So, and then the good person depend the standard, then that depends on every individual because they all have a different standard of what good is. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And I, by the way, I just tell people all the time, I said, look, when you, I said, when you're reading the 10 commandments, uh, you need to understand the 10 commandments was not primarily given to us on how to live, <laughs> which it does tell us how to live. Sure. But it was given, it, it was given to us to show us we can't live that way. Right. We cannot keep the, it was given to us to reveal to us that we are sinners and that God's got to step in. Okay. So if you're out there and you're trying to live the 10 commandments and you feel guilty every time you break one of those 10 commandments, you know, well, welcome to the club. Everybody has broken the 10 commandments, you know, and Christians, even after they get saved, they break the 10 commandments. Um, but the thing is, that's why Jesus had to die on the cross, you know, to exchange our unrighteousness for his righteousness. And so he took our sin and gave us his holiness, if you will. Um, okay. So, um, all right, I, I'm going to popcorn. Some of these are going to need some explanation, but I'm just going to popcorn some stuff out that I see over time and some things, you know what I'm saying? That people struggle with, I believe something, but then there's this new information. So for example, uh, one would be, all right, I believe this is a sin. And then I find out that in the Bible that it's not or vice versa. 
I think this is not a sin, but then I read in the Bible that it is. Okay. So I, I have this belief of something about an activity is a sin or not. And I'm on one side and I realize the Bible contradicts what I believe or appears to contradict what I'm, what I'm currently believing. You also have this contradiction between uh, the gospel and the false gospel. Um, and there's the true gospel. And then there's a bunch of false gospel stuff out there, you know, that appears to be the gospel. And we'd call it the like health and wealth, prosperity gospel, all that kind of stuff, you know, and then there's like the false gospel in, in the sense of cults where they it's a full blown different religion, you know? So mm -hmm. you believe, you believe in Jesus for salvation, you believe the gospel, but then you have somebody knocking on your door telling you something a little bit different. Sounds similar, but not quite. And all of a sudden you're thinking, well, which one is true? You know, now you got this cognitive dissonance thing going on. Uh, another one is, is that uh, Christians believe that respect is earned when the Bible teaches that respect is given. Okay. Because uh, it talks about wives are to respect their husbands without any qualification. Just respect your husband, period. <laughs> just like sure. the Bible says, husbands, love your wife, mm -hmm. period. You know, she don't have to check off 10 boxes before you love her. Okay. So, um, you know, uh, some of the stuff, man, I'm looking through the list here and they make sense to me, but, uh, well, I like creation versus evolution, the role of a wife versus, you know, from an earthly view versus the role of the wife, biblical view, same thing, role of the husband, earthly view versus role of the husband biblical view if you believe the earthly view and then you get in you start growing as a believer you're going to find that oh my word i am not even close to what god's calling me to do you know well and i have to or, yeah and i have to say from from a personal level you know we we've talked uh in previous podcasts about these discipleship groups you know that uh that i attend and that you know i would encourage everybody at genesis and everybody listening uh to get involved in a discipleship group well one of the things in there uh, that we do, uh, we, we study a book called the complete husband. And I'll tell you, you know, I've been married, I've been married for 22 years, uh, in September, I've been with my wife for 23. And, you know, I, I thought I had it all figured out what it meant to be a good husband. I, man, I thought I checked the boxes. Now, look, I, I obviously knew I checked some other boxes on like, Hey, here's things you're doing wrong. But I thought I had the foundational view on what a good husband was. Well, I started going through that book and I realized, man, my, uh, so I, obviously I had been a good husband in some aspects, but man, some of the other areas, um, I realized, man, I wasn't being as, as much of a biblical husband as I, as I had thought. And so, you know, my, and, and I, I take my marriage very seriously. You know, that's a very core foundational belief system that I have. And so, you know, when I got this new information that was based off scripture, what it really means and, and the proper interpretations of, of certain things and all that, you know, I found that very, very difficult to wrestle with. I felt a, a, a tremendous amount of, of guilt that I had got some of those things wrong. And, and, you know, that, you know, it, and not only had I got it wrong, but I'd got it wrong for so long. And I felt a little bit of shame and uh, there were a lot of different emotions that came along with that. Uh, now the, the nice part is, is that as, a, as uncomfortable as that was, you know, kind of laid in that and, and God has revealed a bunch of things. And I, I think I'm much better, uh, I'm much closer to the expectation that God has for me as a husband. Now, obviously I still struggle with some things. I'm not perfect. Uh, but yeah, I, I did find the, the, the core beliefs that I had when they were contradicted, man, it was kind of painful. 
mm-hmm. know, it was painful. There was, there was a lot of emotions, a lot of discomfort that, that came from that. And uh, looking back on it now, I'm very thankful that God took me through that process. But man, it was not very much fun. And it took a lot of study and a lot of thinking and, and a lot of praying to kind of get through it. So, you know, as, as the listeners kind of wrestle with these things, this dissonance that they have in their lives, you know, I can say from a personal standpoint that, man, I, I know what it feels like to be uncomfortable in that space. And, uh, and Jeff, I'm sure you do too, you know, and, and it's like, uh, just again, lay in it and, and man, God's timing's perfect every time. And he, he'll reveal those things. So I, I just wanted to add that, uh, from a personal standpoint, uh, I really can relate to that, that role of a husband, the earthly view versus the biblical view. Yeah. And this kind of stuff just shows up. I mean, again, if you're, if you're going to study the Bible and you're going to live life, you're going to encounter, you're going to encounter things that contradict your beliefs all the time on a regular basis. Now it doesn't mean your belief is wrong, but it might be. Sure. All right. And this is where, and we'll get into this in a a moment. And I wish we had more time to dive into this even further, but this is where you're going to have to have an honest, evaluation of why you believe what you believe and you got to let people challenge your belief and not get mad about it. Right. Letting them challenge. It's easy. Not getting angry about it or getting upset about it. That's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Because once somebody starts probing, like, well, why do you believe that? Well, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just experience. You're talking culture. That's not what the Bible. And they'll say things. Well, what does the Bible say about that? You know, and if you, and if you're if the first thing out of your mouth is, well, I don't know what the Bible says. Okay. Sure. Now you just, you just said a lot right there. Absolutely. Right? So, well, I don't, I don't know if you say, well, I, well, this is what that preacher used to say. You know, I heard him say, well, what does the Bible say? I know, I know what you're telling me. The preacher said, right. You know, but what does the Bible actually say? Is it possible that the preacher was wrong. I mean, cause I mean, I'm a pastor. I preach just about every Sunday and I realize that there are some people out there that when I say something, they think I know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here today, folks. Yeah. He has no idea yeah. what he's talking and, about. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I don't. And so I, I'm, I'm going to assume that it, when somebody hears something that contradicts their belief, I don't want them just to write me off. I want them to research it themselves and say, okay, I want them to think of themselves this way. Okay. Am I right? Or is he right? Right. You know, and, and here's the deal. And I've, I've said this before. If somebody thinks I'm wrong about something, uh, I'm okay with them coming and, and challenging me on because well, if sure. I am, if I am wrong, then I, I, I need to change. I, I need to, I need to honestly, what the Bible would say, repent. And we'll look at that in a moment. I need to repent from this wrong belief, um, regardless of what it is, even minor things. I don't, I don't want to believe a lie at any level, you know? Well, and, and, you know, I, I can't help but think of the old saying like trust, but verify. Yeah, there you there, go. There is no more important subject to trust, but verify on right. than the word of God. So, yeah, if you hear something that that uh, that's contradictory to your belief system, you know, like on Sundays, if you're preaching something and somebody goes, man, that's just not that's not my understanding of it. uh, By all means, dig into the Bible, see what God's word says about it. You know, I mean, because if you're going to be right about something, be right about God's word, you know. So so if 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 they think that you're wrong about something, man, dig in, 
you know, any yeah. of the theology, man, dig in. Let's let's make sure we're all on the same page here. We have an obligation to each other uh, to point out truth. And and that that goes from you at, at the and I'm using air quotes here at the top all the way down to the people in the seats. No, we all want to be correct on our right. theology. So, yeah, trust, but verify. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give a couple examples and and then we're going to dive into the uh, responding to this gap. OK. Yeah. And um, all right. So I'll. I want to talk generically about sin versus that's not sin. That's what I call, you know, that sin versus that's not sin. And um, so in first Corinthians eight, Paul answers a strange question about food that's been offered to idols. And the issue Paul was addressing was this. There were some non-Christians who worshiped at the pagan temple in Corinth, non-Christians worship pagan temple in Corinth. As part of their worship, they would offer animal sacrifices to their gods. And so, and some of the meat would be sold at the marketplace uh, from these sacrifices and offerings to the, to these false gods. Uh, and they would sell this meat for income for the pagan priest and the pagan temple and other things of that nature. And so some of these people who had, were at these temples and were these pagans doing, you know, these sacrifices and with these animals to these pagan gods. Uh, well, they heard the gospel and they placed their faith in Christ and they became born again. So these new believers had a lot of growing to do, but one of the things they brought with them from their pagan worship was a belief that the meat offered to idols was contaminated with uh, a demon or demons or a spirit or something from that, from those gods. And this meat that was used in the pagan temples, uh, that was put on sale in the market. These new believers had a belief that if they, if they ate the meat, then they were somehow swallowing, inviting, digesting the demon into their life somehow that, that the demon would be coming into their life. And so as a result, they believed eating this meat was a sin. Okay. Now, Paul went on to explain, this is all in first Corinthians eight. Paul went on to explain that this is not the case. The demon does not enter you when you eat meat, uh, you know, that had been offered to, you know, a pagan God that had been sacrificed. Uh, Paul tells the more mature believers though, uh, the more, more, the more mature Christians to not eat the meat. So it doesn't encourage the new believer to go against his or her conscience on the matter. That's a very they, interesting part of that. Yeah, it is. Uh, so he's telling the mature believers, say, look, all right, you and I know that's not a sin, but they think it is. Okay. So this believer, th they think it's a sin. So in order until they grow, we are not going to eat this meat offered to idols. Now, he's not saying don't have a conversation with them. Sure. He's just saying don't eat the meat. Okay. So, all right, let's play this scene out a little further. Let's say you were the new believer and you believed the gods were real and you believed eating the meat offered to them would infect you with a demon. You were convinced to do so would be a sin for you and others. And you were attending a Bible study with Paul down by the river. And he says that it is not a sin and explains why Paul says the God, that, that, that God is not, that, that pagan God is not real, but you know, you believe that, that God is real. And Paul says eating meat offered to idols is not a big deal, but you see it as a sin. Now, what you have heard is your belief being contradicted by new information. 
And this is going to create confusion, frustration, and maybe even uh, anger towards Paul for what you, you know what he's challenging on. So here's the thing. Now, Paul is addressing something that they think is a sin that's not. Okay? Now, over the years that I've been a pastor, I have encountered this thing a thousand times. I, I was wondering just a moment ago, I'll bet you you have encountered it a thousand times and then you'd had to be like Paul a thousand times and go look until they get this sorted out. We're going to do this yeah. or do that. <clears throat> this is where the patience comes yes. in. Yes. Okay. I'm so, okay. I, I, I know I'm derailing this thing and I know we're right. going to run over, but I want to say this, Jeff, Yeah. the number one thing that I think about when I think about our relationship so, you know, I, I, I consider you a very close friend of mine. I, I consider you very important in my spiritual growth. And one of the things that I think about is all of the times early on that I would have these wild, crazy ideas or, or these theories, if you will. And I just, I, I now can look back and remember some of the looks on your face. And then you were just so graceful and patient with me. So from a personal standpoint, there's been so many times over the years that I have spewed something that was probably way out in left field. And you thought, okay, I'm yeah. just going to wait on this guy. He's, he's on his way. I'm just going to wait on him. You know, it, it, I do think that is very, very important uh, when we're dealing with, with folks that are, that are wrestling with these things. <clears throat> oh, I, I think so. Um, <clears throat> and I do think that as Christians, we, we got to be patient with them. Uh, you know, you don't want to mock or make fun of them and say, man, you're so stupid. How can you believe that right. eating meat offered to an idol? How in the world is a demon getting that dead carcass? And how's it, <laughs> how, how is by having a hamburger going to cause you to be possessed by a demon? You know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, now from the Christian perspective, there are things that people, you know, uh, that I've encountered that I'm thinking, how can they, how can they be a believer? for so long and still believe that sure. uh, for example, um, uh, I remember this one guy, uh, I mean, he loved Jesus. He was a retired pastor and this is and what he told me was, was based on his culture. And I, I'm, you know, and I knew it. All right. So I was pastoring a church. I was in my twenties and we were growing and people were seeing people getting saved, uh, you know, uh, having people baptized. Some people were answering call the ministry. I mean, it was just, it was blowing and going. And for a while there, we were like the church in the area, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, um, and so, uh, and I had started instigating some uh, changes, <clears throat> uh, just, you know, cultural changes to the church. <clears throat> so we're talking about 20, 25 years ago. And so, uh, and one of the things I started doing was I, I got rid of my suit and tie. You know, I started wearing yeah. business casual. Ooh, Ooh. you yeah. heretic, you. Yes. So yeah. we're in business casual. <laughs> well, uh, he comes up to me and he says, he says, Jeff, I need to talk to you. He said, uh, I'm concerned about what's going on here about, you know, you're not wearing a suit and tie and it, it's not reverent to the Lord to wear your best, you know, which I heard before. This was not new. This is, you know, and I said, well, let's talk about it. And he said, well, he, and he started telling me a story about when he, now he was about 70. Okay. And he started telling me a story about when he was in the military and people knew he was a Christian and they asked, he was off in some other country and they asked him 
to, uh, oh, it was a Sunday morning. They asked him if he would lead like a, a church service, Bible study or something of that nature, you know, underneath this tree. And so him and a few other guys, uh, gathered about 20, 30 these soldiers gathered around and he, you know, led in a church service, if you will. And, uh, and taught the word and all that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, he said, uh, I felt so bad and guilty for having to lead that service in my combat outfit. I did not have the proper clothing hmm. now. Okay. Now for the Christians who are listening to that you're thinking that sounds if, if you're, and if you, if you've grown and you're mature about this, you understand how silly that sounds, you know, but for him, his conscience, he, he was taught from early on culturally that you are to wear your best when you go to church. And there are still believers out there who think that. Sure. And if you don't, it's a sin. Okay. Now, uh, so we had a conversation about this and, and I, and I, you know, and I told him where I was at and why I was doing what I was doing and, you know, and, um, and I, you know, and, I don't want to get in that today, but anyway, and so I was struggling with, okay, uh, now as a mature Christian, am I, uh, am I supposed to not go back to suit and tie? Right. Okay. So now all of a sudden I had a cognitive dissonance. He had one. Okay. And now I've got one, you know, because oh, Paul, yeah, just like Paul was saying, Hey, right. You know, let's, yeah. let's not do those things. Yeah. I, I understand right. where that's coming from. That's right. So, um, uh, and I, and I, and I, I struggled with that. And so I saw, I saw it there over that issue. Um, and I see it with Christians that uh, I've seen it with Christians who feel guilty about working on Sunday, about having tattoos, about having a drink of alcohol, um, or taking a medication and it being a lack of faith on there, if you know what I'm saying? Sure. And they see that. And, and I, I see Christians who think, okay, if I, if I don't wear my best, it's a sin. If I, if I work on Sunday, it's a sin. If I, and, uh, if I have a tattoo, it's a sin. Or if I, if I have a drink, it's a sin. If I take medication, it's a sin. When the Bible clearly says that none of those things are sin, right? None of them. Okay. Now it can be a sin if it goes against your conscience. I mean, we're not going to get into the conscious but however our conscious is uh is weird because a lot our conscious originally is not based on god's word it's based on our culture okay sure. and so and then we had the word of god has come in change our mind change our heart which also affects our conscience and now we're feeling we're now we're feeling convicted about real sins and not what we think is a sin you follow yeah, what i'm not, saying not things we've made up not things we've made up yeah and so uh and so I see this, this, this cognitive disc between what I believe and counting new information, because, you know, over the years, when I've talked to people about these very kinds of things, uh, I, you know, I take them to the Bible and I'll say, okay, let's start with the Bible. What does the Bible say about eating on Sunday? And they'll immediately start talking about the Sabbath. And because to them, Sabbath and Sunday is the same thing. Right. When in reality, Old Testament, Sabbath, Saturday, Sunday is the Lord's day. Everything changed. You know what I'm saying? From I mean, it's just, and you walk them through what Christ did. He is actually, I mean, uh, you get into the, you actually get into the Bible. It frees you up. It's okay to go out and eat on Sunday at a restaurant. That's okay. It's okay to work on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not a sin and it's okay to have a tattoo. It's, you know, 
And it's okay to have a drink of alcohol. Now, I don't drink, but it's okay to have a drink of alcohol. The issue is about getting drunk. That's right. the issue. Okay. Um, and it's okay to take medication. It's not a lack of faith. So, you, you're, because the Bible talks about, you know, taking stuff for your stomach. Even Paul told Timothy, man, you need to have some wine because your stomach's sick. Quit drinking that water because it's all dirty, you know? <laughs> and that's basically that was their medication back then, you know? Sure. So, sure. all you wine drinkers just thinking, really? Uh, <laughs> It's like, I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After this whole bottle of wine, I feel yeah. great. It's like, okay, that's not what Paul is saying, but you understand what I'm talking about. Right. So, right. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on. Cause we're running out of time here, but I think the audience gets the idea about this whole, I believe this and this new information comes along and now there's this cognitive dissonance, you know, we've given them several examples about that. Um, you know, um, and I mean, man, man, I just wish I could give more examples. I feel like the more examples I give, the better. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But sometimes well, it's there's like just so it. many. There, there are, and because I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, for the person who's not, they haven't, hasn't connected with them yet. I mean, so I mean, it, it can apply with the bad person versus good person scenario. You think this person is a bad person? They're stupid, and you then you learn some new information about them, and you realize, sure. oh, they're not. You know. Sure. Uh, you know, and or you have a view of hell. And you think it's accurate, but then you start studying the Bible on hell and you realize, oh, wait, the Bible doesn't actually say what I believe. You follow, you know, about hell. Mm -hmm. And so, um, um, you know, uh, I'm looking at this list here. Anyway, let's just go. Okay. Let's just kind of get in and how, how do we deal with this? So if you, if you recognize that you have a belief and there's some contradictory new information, what do you do with that? Uh, how do you respond to that? Well, there's really seven ways and six are wrong. One is right. Uh, one way we respond to this that's unhealthy is we discard it. So when we discard something, we just kind of get rid of it. You know, one of the ways we attempt to get rid of emotional discomfort is by ignoring it. You know, we pretend the new information doesn't exist <laughs> or we Deuce. pretend, that, you know, or we just pretend <laughs> there is no belief gap. We, I mean, really, we just, I mean, we just discard it by trying to not think about it or talk about it. You know, there are, the so, there are so many things in our lives that we do these first six. I guarantee you, as the listener hears about these things, they're going to go, yep, done that. Or they can come up with 150 examples of that, yep. that they dealt with in the last two days. I mean, yeah. it is, it is crazy just how quick we are to do the first six that are wrong and never get to the, to the appropriate response. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's, it's no. just, there's so much of this that goes on. Yeah. And the thing is, or here's one thing we haven't gotten into is that if you are, for lack of better word, if you're the counselor in the situation and somebody's dealing with cognitive dissonance in this area, well, you have to identify why are they, why are they not accepting the truth? What's in God's word? Yeah. Which you one know, of these if, are they doing? Right. So then that determines uh, that tweaks how you respond to them. Sure. You know, so you have to identify how are they treating this new information? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then, okay, okay. Now we got to bring them around to come face to face with God's truth about this. So, all right. Uh, well, all right. So we discard it. Another one is we devalue it. So when we would devalue something, we make light of it. We downplay it. Uh, you may hear someone say, you know, it's not that important. What's the big deal about believing this or that? You know, one way uh, to downplay is to say something like this. It's not a major, I, I, and I've used this as well. 
But in the wrong context, it's wrong. In the right context, it's right. So there's times where you'll hear a Christian say, well, it's not a major doctrine in the Bible, so therefore it's no big deal. It doesn't really matter what you believe. Okay? Right. I, I get that. All right? But if it's dealing with legalism, the stuff that we've talked about, this is a sin, that's not a sin. I mean, okay. All right. If you don't want to really know the truth, uh, you know, the devil would, the devil's okay with you staying deceived, even in the, what you would classify as minor stuff. Because oh, no if doubt. You, if he's got you, if he's got you deceived in enough minor stuff, well, that becomes a major thing. Yes. You know, uh, and they'll say, well, as long as we get salvation down that Jesus is Lord and he's coming back now, that's true. Absolutely. Let's get unified around who Jesus is. All right. Okay. Let's get <laughs> right. clear on that. Let's start there. <laughs> yeah, start there. All right. Yeah. Uh, but Jesus, his intent was never for them to, for you and I to stop there. Right. Okay. Right. All right. There is, a, there's a reason why the Bible constantly talks about maturing and growing yeah. and increasing in the knowledge of, you know, you see these phrases over and over again, you know, well, you can't win the race standing at the starting line. No, you, you just, well, no you know, winning that race. I started the race. It don't matter if I finish it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I accomplished all that I need to accomplish yeah. just by being here. No, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. no, that's terrible no. attitude. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Another way we respond to this, uh, uh, belief versus new information is, uh, we just flat out deny it. I mean, this is, this, we're not devaluing it. We're just flat out denying it. So when we deny something, we declare something to be untrue. This person refuses to see a disconnect in their current belief and the new information, even though there really is one, you know? So when a person is denying their distance, they refuse to see it. They may deny it by simply saying the new information is inaccurate or untrue without any real research or thought. They just deny it. No, that's not true. That's an easy way to deal with. Uh, yeah, that, that is the, the, the man. That must be nice. Yeah, that must be. be nice. Just, yeah, it's not true. And just That's go on true. about your business. I, yeah. I can't do that sort of thing. You, you could tell me just about it. You could tell me the earth is flat. Now I don't believe the earth is flat, but I'm going to do some research <coughs> on it. I wish I could just deny Nah, None of that's true. You know, and just go on that, that, that must be a great way to live for a moment. Well, uh, There are some people who are very comfortable living in dark and yes. darkness. They've gotten yes. acclimated to it. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sun, there's some trees, there's green, there's blue sky. There's, you know, these red birds. Nah, that ain't true. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. Awesome. There's, there's a whole, there's a whole nother world out here. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a lot better than where you're living, you know, sure. but you're going to have to embrace what you just heard, you know? Sure. Um, anyway, so, uh, Another way we uh, wrongly respond to this particular cognitive dissonance is uh, we delegitimize it. When we delegitimize something, we are trying to diminish or destroy the legitimacy or authority of something. So this involves undermining the evidence of the belief gap. So uh, here's what I mean by that. A person may do this by discrediting, discrediting the person or the group or the situation that highlighted the dissonance mm -hmm. or is the source of the new information. So for example, <clears throat> uh, a few years back, uh, I was pastoring a church and 
man, uh, there was a few folks in the church that just fell in love with Joel Osteen. Okay. Man, they loved him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I didn't really know much about him. I knew actually more about his dad who had passed away because, um, I had some relatives who were big Osteen, uh, John Osteen for his dad's name is John Osteen. His, his, they were big John Osteen fans. And, um, his dad had written a couple of books. Now, um, his dad was a full blown Pentecostal charismatic kind of a guy in the sense of health, wealth, the whole thing. Sure. Now, Joel Osteen is okay, but he's not, uh, like his dad and, uh, in the sense of dogmatic as much as his dad is, but here's the thing. So I didn't know a whole lot about Joel Osteen. So, and you know, they were reading this and, uh, and talking about Joel Osteen and I'd heard some bad things about Joel Osteen, some good things about Joel Osteen. And so I thought, well, you know what, I, 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 before I cast judgment, maybe I ought to like, read some stuff by Joel Osteen and listen to a few sermons. Sure. Okay. Do your research. Uh, yeah. Do my research. So, uh, um, because I, I will hear people say things like Joel Osteen is an antichrist. He's a false prophet. I mean, they just, I mean, they really throw him under the bus. You know what I'm saying? So I, I pulled and, and I'll say, have you ever read any of his book? And they go, well, no. How many sermons have you heard him preach? Well, I saw on Facebook the other day with this quote by him and there's a video clip of him. I said, oh, okay. All right. Um, and now I, as a pastor, I will say this. If every single sermon was recorded for the last 20 years of my life, <laughs> I guarantee you somebody would find something that would say, that guy is a heretic, <laughs> right? You know? Because right. you just, you know, now, okay, here's the thing. Um, I do not, uh, uh, let me be clear. I don't agree with Joel Osteen at all on the prosperity gospel aspect, the health and wealth thing. Don't at all. Okay. But here's what I found when I, so when I did the research, um, cause people will throw out certain beliefs, uh, are based on who said it. And so here's what I discovered. Um, for Joel Osteen, yeah, you've got you've got you've got to be careful. I, I would not recommend new believers become a reader of Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just wouldn't do it, uh, and that's because of the health and wealth stuff. But here's the mm-hmm. thing: there, eighty percent of his stuff, maybe even ninety percent of his stuff, is right on. Um, meaning, he'll talk about don't let people steal your joy. He'll talk about uh, being the best as a Christian. You ought to be the best employee, have a high work ethic because you don't work for man. You work for God. You know, he just kind of has this, give it your best 100%. You know, the Holy, you know, you work where you work. You love that spouse that doesn't love you. I mean, he says all the, he's, he, it's all, it's all true. Right. That's true. That's true. That's true. true. Yep. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh man. God, you know, if you plant this seed, God's going to send you $10,000. No, you're (laughs) going to get a bigger house. No, right. That's not, that's not how this works. (coughs) So anyway, uh, but sometimes people will just throw out a true statement by someone because of some other issue, some other things they've said. And it disqualifies everything they've said, even though with what they've just said is actually true. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I've heard this with Christians when it comes to Mark Driscoll, Joel Osteen, John MacArthur, and uh, Andy Stanley, Chip Ingram. It doesn't, you know, I've heard, you know, and, and, and I want to tell you, I have never read a commentary 
or have listened to several sermons by the same guy where I personally, as I'm listening, would walk away thinking, I agree with everything I have just read and heard. Sure. You know? Okay. So now there are some people out there right now who are listening to this podcast who are going to get all in a wad about what I just said. And what they're hearing is, oh, Jeff, he just listens to anybody. Well, that's all just about. And uh, because he, and here's my point. Here's here's the, now again, I feel confident enough. I can hear the meat, chew on the meat, and get rid of the bones. You know what I'm sure. saying? Yep. All right. But here here's the reason why I don't throw unless they're flat out saying Jesus is not Lord. There's some other way of salvation. You know all that kind of stuff, and that there's more than one way to get to heaven. Unless there's something like that. Yeah, they're out. I mean, that's flat out heretic. Or they're saying the word of God is not all true. And yep, they're out. You know that kind right. of thing. Right. Um, but here's the thing. In the Old Testament, in Numbers 22, if you don't know the story, you need to go look it up. God spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. That donkey <laughs> spoke English <laughs> to its writer and was telling the writer about the angels that he could not see that were all around them. So God, yeah, here's, my, here's my deal. If God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through some of these people that mm, they got some of their theology wrong. Sure. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. So what I'm saying is don't, there are some, there are some folks who are a little crazy, but some of the things they say, you need you need to hang your hat on a little bit and think about it because that that sometimes God's talking for you. They're talking God's talking to to you through that donkey. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So don't don't throw it all out. So don't delegitimize something just because it comes from somebody you don't like. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Or a group you don't like and say, okay, well, maybe let me let me do some research about that. Let me think about that. Become a very healthy critical thinker. All right. The next one is another way we respond to all this is justify. Okay. So when we justify ourselves, we are attempting to prove ourselves right. This is where we defend our current belief because we have had this belief for so long that it can't be wrong. All right. So this is where, uh, we are, we are not getting bad information. We are actually, we are, we are holding on to our belief. We're going to justify our belief even though what is coming to us is true and and we justify it usually based on something like this we justify it because we learned this from the uh, the pastor that we admired our dad taught us this that we love so much or our mom or or somebody at college that discipled or mentored you man how could they be wrong you know and so and if we change our belief um Regarding this, it's like we're denying or rejecting this person that invested in us, that taught yeah. us this, that we now realize may not be true. Sure. Okay. So we have to be careful there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look at the clock here. I need to wrap this thing up. All right. So another way uh, that we respond uh, to this cognitive distance is uh what I call uh, expedient belief change. This is when you change your belief to adopt the new information without serious thought. Let me say that again. This is when you change your belief to adopt the new information without serious thought. You simply like the contradictory new information better than your current belief. It makes sure. you feel better. It's easier to believe. I mean, 
I mean, this, this, that, okay. One of the examples of this is that, uh, you hear a new version of, of hell and you think, oh, okay. That hell's a lot better. <laughs> right. Well, you know, the truth is, is we're in a constant state of trying to relieve that emotional discomfort. Yes. It, it, yes. Either with truth or the very next best thing that comes along. that yeah. makes me feel better in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, un unfortunately that's the way we're wired. So yeah, I think a lot of people fall into this category too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. That seems a lot less, there's a lot less work on my end. I'm going to feel better quicker. So let me just, uh, <laughs> let me quickly change my belief system. To me, that's, if you can do it that easy, it really wasn't a belief to begin with. Right. That's got, or at least not a very strong foundational right. belief, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I, we're, we're, we're wired that way to, to get rid of that discomfort as quickly as possible. Well, I've known, um, I know some Christians who, you know, they believe in staying committed to their spouse and all that kind of stuff. But then they start having these people gathered around them say, well, you know, God wants you to be happy. Oh, no doubt. You know, and you know, he doesn't, he doesn't really care about you. She doesn't really care about you. And, um, you know, I think God would understand that if you, if you left them. And didn't, you know, just now I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is the Bible does give room for divorce. I mean, I mean, sure. don't understand what I'm saying here. Okay. Uh, but I think we bow way out, way that whole till death do us part sickness and health, you know, good times, bad times, all that stuff, you know? Um, I mean, there's, if, if you've it, got your bags packed before those folks are even done talking about uh, yeah. how, well, yeah. then maybe you haven't given it enough thought that that would yeah. be another, uh, expedient belief change yes you know? because what'll happen sometimes what'll happen is we have a belief that we don't like that's inconvenient for us and we know it's inconvenient and we go looking for people to affirm a different belief to where that new belief that new information is now the predominant belief and so i feel better yep. about what i'm about to do yep yeah you know, that so. man we do that all the time all the time so the way you need to respond to all this is just repent of it Okay, so God's answer to cognitive dissonance and the belief gap is repentance. All right, the word repentance in the Bible literally means the act of changing one's mind. All right, repentance is not about changing one's behavior, even though it does. It's about changing one's thought, understanding, uh, you know, it's knowledge, uh, which produces a different kind of behavior. So as you learn to repent throughout your life, you will discover that your beliefs and behaviors are lining up more and more. This will result in less and less cognitive dissonance. Uh, your belief gaps are shrinking and your integrity is increasing and your influence is spreading. That's, that's where we're headed with this. So when you apply repentance to this expression of cognitive dissonance, belief plus contradicting new information, you are going to change your mind about how you handle the new information. So instead of accepting it at face value or ignoring it or downplaying it, uh, you are going to honestly evaluate your belief, examine the new information based on God's word and come to clear and, and a thought through decision about how the new information impacts your current belief. If it impacts it at all, this is where you take new information serious. When you feel that chat, when you feel a belief is being challenged, you are repenting of mental laziness when it comes to in, uh, investigating this new information. So uh, the Bible's constantly talking to us as Christians about thinking, yes. reasoning, evaluating, examining, 
You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and, and repenting uh, in, in this particular scenario involves all of that. Uh, so, all right, man, that is like uh, drinking from a fire hydrant. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, all right, Billy, we need to wrap this up. Any last comments, thoughts? No, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just can't help, but, but think, you know, when, you know, when you talk about that repentance, you know, that's not something that's going to last 30 seconds. You know, I just can't help, but continue to drive home the point. Look, meditate on these things, research, open your Bible, talk to other Christians, do all those things and be willing to lay in it for as long as God needs you to lay into it until he clears these things up as a Christian, you know, God tells us he'll give this, give us the strength to endure. I believe God keeps his promises at the end of the day. If we don't bow out and we continue to just kind of put our head down and pray on it and do all those things that we're supposed to be doing, God will reveal and he will relieve us of this emotional discomfort eventually. But if you, if you feel like, uh, the emotional discomfort is not giving, you know, it's, it's not getting better. You know, it might be, it might be a case that, Hey, I've got more study to do, you know, just trust in God's process, trust in the scripture and the things the scripture tells us about these things and just wait on God to make these things clear. That's, that's the thing. That's the reoccurring theme that just kind of keeps popping into my head on this, this, this whole topic. Yeah, and, and actually in this particular form of cognitive dissonance, we're really talking about renewing the mind. That's what sure. we're talking about. Sure. And, you know, the, in Romans 12, it talks about, you know, renewing the mind. And um, and even in Philippians 4, Paul talks about uh, what we need to think about. And one of the things he says, think, think on things that are true. Yes. Okay. So let's get some real truth here. Let's get some real facts. Let's get some real information. Uh, you know, before we turn that thing into a, a core belief and make know? sure you're going, yeah, like you said, to the right place for truth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, really, regardless of our intellectual level, you know, we all have to, at some point strive to be experts in what God's word has to say. Sure. I mean, really, he only gave us one book. I mean, it's not like there's volume sitting up there and he says, look, just know this book, just study this one. And I say book, it's, it's just short, it's just, it's just short letters, you know? Right. And so, um, uh, anyway, all right. Uh, all right. So I think we'll end there. Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna, we have about one, maybe two more, uh, podcasts on cognitive dissonance. And then after that, we're going to change gears and talk about something a little bit different and um, that I think uh, will be helpful to everybody. But we're not there yet, so we're just going to hold that as a secret information. Uh, and, and maybe you'll tune in when that, whenever that comes out. All right, top well, secret. okay, got, yeah, top secret. <laughs> All right, guys, hey, uh, thanks for hanging in there. If you hung in this far, uh, I think God may be listening. I mean, God may be speaking to you about it, or you're just uh, – you've got a long commute to work and you just decided to listen to the whole thing. So, but uh, we appreciate you until next time. Uh, have a great week. Thank you for listening. This has been conversations. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to click subscribe and leave us a great review. 
And to find out more about Genesis Church, please visit www.genesisbegins.com.